This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keitel, Vice President of CX of M and retired global CX executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. The world was a much better place with David Robbins in it. David's infectious personality and enthusiasm towards a field of customer experience management was unparalleled. David was an innovator. He was a dreamer. He was a cheerleader who will be sorely missed by me and his colleagues at Gongas. In honor of David, we're replaying an episode he recorded with us earlier this summer when he introduced and explained Gongas's value exchange model, um, a revolutionary framework for envisioning and, and measuring performance and the customer experience. Please join me in remembering David. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. Great seeing you, Bob. Uh, Great to be here. Usually you say I'm your partner in crime, but I guess I've been behaving lately. Yeah, I know. You've been behaving lately. You've been between (laughs) your golf and your part-time job. But (laughs) I'm really excited today to welcome David Robbins, the Vice President of Client Consulting with Gongos Inc. to the show. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much, Tom. And it's a pleasure to be here with with both of you. The Tom and Bob Show. I'm excited. There you go. Now we so are we too. And before Bob starts his questioning, um, we purposely brought David on the show to talk about Gongus's value exchange model, which is kind of a revolutionary approach um, for measuring the customer experience. Um, so we're really thankful to have you here. And I know both um, we and our listeners are excited to hear about the value exchange model. Delighted to talk about it with you guys today. Well, let's go. Let's dive into it. Um, most CX practitioners are familiar with KPIs, but not CPIs, our customer performance indicators, which Gongus is suggesting they should be concerned about. So how does Gongus define CPIs and why should we be concerned about them? Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's a great question. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I like to do when I start to introduce CPIs is, is uh, talk about, you know, what is it? why are businesses so focused on their KPIs? Um, and one of the things to understand K- our CPIs, um, we can sort of look at, you know, what's the purpose of KPIs and what KPIs really help companies to do and why they're so well adopted across every business um, uh, across the land is that they, 
they allow businesses to really evaluate you know, the extent to which they're on track or off track in terms of meeting the goals that they're trying to meet as an organization and where they might be falling short and how they need to sort of action things uh, within their organization to get back on track um, to meet those goals. And so, you know, while we see KPIs as measures of business goals, CPIs can just be defined um, somewhat as the converse of that. They're measures of customer goals. And so, you know, simply put, the way we define uh, customer performance indicators or CPIs here at Gongus is that they are measures of how well uh, a company is delivering on uh, the goals that are most important to their customers. That's awesome. What you know, everybody starts out with saying the customers at the center of everything we do, and there the, and there's the thing that whoops, we sort of forgot about that. So CPIs is just a brilliant idea right off the start. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there, I mean, it really is, you know, it's, it's, it's almost in many ways, the inverse of, of KPIs, because the starting point is in fact, you know, that customer and what that customer is trying to achieve, not in the context solely of doing business with, with your company or whatever company they might be doing business with, but what is it that really drives that motivation uh, of the customer uh, in regardless of the context? And that's, um, you know, that's that idea of that we all have goals to achieve and um, to really understand those, we have to come much closer to the customer to understand what it is they're trying to achieve uh, in doing business with you or any other particular brand. If I'm an old school, you know, KPI person, which lots of people are, um, is there a way to make a bridge between saying, hey, believe in CPIs because it's going to drive your KPIs? Like, do you have that, end up having that conversation? Absolutely. In fact, that's sort of the, the, the uh, core of what we've been focused on is that, that co concept of value exchange, if you will. Uh, and it's the concept that uh, as customer goals are met, business goals can be met as well. And so looking at sort of the reciprocity, if you will, between how driving performance against customer goals has the ability to really drive performance against business goals. Um, and it is in fact uh, a model of reciprocity, if you will. Um, and it's not an either or type of thing. You know, it's not, gosh, we need to sort of be focused on CPIs more than KPIs. It, it is just a mechanism for developing reciprocity between the customer and the business, if you will. So, so given the importance of CPIs, how, how should practitioners be measuring them? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, one of the, the things about sort of CPIs, the starting point for understanding how to measure them is that they're not business centric. Um, they are human centric. And, um, you know, one of the stats that I love to kind of talk about in this context, it came from another member of our team uh, who found this, but um, it's the statistic that the, you know, the average customer is only a customer 14% of the time that, you know, that we're human beings 100% of the time, but we behave as customers for less than 14% of sort of our waking hours. Hmm. And so based on um, our work sort of in this area of CPIs, we believe that CPIs need to be measured from a human centered sort of understanding, right? Not an industry centered understanding of the customer, but a true sort of human centered understanding of what customers are trying to achieve, uh, again, in doing business with any company, regardless of the context. Um, and, you know, based on the work that we've done in this area, uh, we've looked into 
all kinds of work that's been done in the area of human needs, human motivation, human behavior. Uh, and what we found through this process was a, a list of, or a, a group of, of goals that are universal to all customers, regardless of the business context. And they sort of break down into three sort of buckets, if you will, quite cleanly. One is sort of that functional bucket, uh, which I think most businesses can really understand quite well. You know, it's the concept of uh, saving the customer time, saving the customer money, uh, providing sort of an enormous range of options, right? All of those functional sort of uh, goals that customers have and that make them their way into the transactions that customers have with uh, businesses of all types. Um, and then sort of beyond those functional goals, though, are those emotional goals that customers also have. Again, regardless of the context, uh, feeling good, uh, finding sources of motivation, uh, reducing risk and anxiety on the part of the customer are examples of CPIs that we've identified. And I love sort of that reducing risk and anxiety, and it sort of goes against one of those functional goals that I mentioned up above, which is, you know, as consumers, we live in such a choice risk rich society or world, I guess is the, the best way to think about it, that reducing risk is an emotional goal that customers have oftentimes in really, you know, how can you mitigate the risk of doing business with you? Uh, there are so many other options. Why should I do business with you? That risk mitigation is sort of that emotional goal. And then the third sort of area is social. Um, and what we see sort of in the domain of social goals are that there are a couple of key ones that are universal to all customers. Um, again, not in every context, right? It's not that if I'm going to the drugstore and doing business uh, at a drugstore, that all of these goals creep into that transaction, if you will. But this is what motivates my behavior as a human being in totality. And what really CPIs help us to understand is contextually where certain goals are more important than other goals. Uh, and that's ultimately the focus of what we're doing from a CPI perspective and how we measure them. So, sorry, I just want some, because to clarify, uh, for social goals, um, you don't mean literally like, are they going to go post on Facebook or something like that? No, 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 no. It's a great clarification, Bob. By social goals, we don't necessarily mean sort of like social media, um, you know, uh, the, the digital side of social life, if you will. What we're really kind of defining as social goals would be things like um, helping others, sort of that sense of altruism that we have that comes out in certain contexts, not in all contexts. You see that a lot, actually, in corporate America today, where you know, their customers are demanding that they start to take positions on things, right? And, and, and uh, act in more uh, socially conscious ways. And so helping others is oftentimes reflective of that. Uh, connecting with others. And you see this a lot in sort of customer communities that get created, right? Often organically um, and the extent to which you can connect with others around with shared interests and passions. And as well, sort of that, that idea of finding that sense of belonging. Um, you know, this is why brands are so important. People can see themselves in the brands that they do business with. And so finding sort of that sense of belonging is another social sort of aspirational goal that drives human behavior. So David, um, do you see across these three different dimensions, under what circumstances do you see the weights of importance of each one of those categories changing? Is yeah. it more situational? Is it more industry specific? Like if we look at healthcare versus retail, or is it like when you're um, buying a car as opposed to having it serviced or what, when, when might those change? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there's two ways, you know, two, two sort of ways to kind of think about this. One is at a, at a, at a brand level. 
you know, depending upon sort of a brand's proposition or company's proposition to the consumer, um, they could be tapping um, uh, more into uh, goals that are important, uh, like more emotional goals. I'll give you an, an example of one of the brands that we've looked at, which is in the luxury space, Louis Vuitton. Uh, Louis Vuitton is a brand that we've studied in this space. And what we can see with Louis Vuitton, for example, is that the customer goals, their customer goals are largely emotional in nature, right? So the vast majority of the weight uh, in terms of uh, the goals that the customers of Louis Vuitton have are, are emotional fulfillment based goals. Um, now, there are some functional sort of things that come up, right? There are some social things that come up, but generally speaking, um, you know, we see sort of that brand being driven heavily by uh, the emotional goals of their customers. You know, in other cases, um, you know, another example of that, by the way, would be like Peloton, uh, another sort of brand that we see that's driven much more emotionally. If you look at sort of um, things like banking, right, uh, or insurance or those types of sectors, what you see is that some of those functional goals become much more dominant within those sectors. So we see to your question, different weights that customers apply to these goals depending upon the sector or even different brands within the sector, if you will. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting is that, you know, there's a lot of variability in human beings, right? There are different types of customers, if you will. Um, some customers have a very sort of transactional view of brands. And, and those customers that sort of have a very materialistic view of brands, uh, oftentimes we see the importance of functional goals being much more important to that group of customers. Mm. On the other hand, you have sort of this emerging class of customers that's growing and growing in size, sort of these post-materialist types of customers, right? That are um, looking beyond the material nature of their relationship with companies and thinking about other things, um, really placing weight on other things. And in that regard, what you see amongst those types of customers is that the emotional goals and social goals can become much more important, even if the brand might be a highly transactional type of brand or the customer might be in a highly transactional type of relationship with that particular company. So I think you see it at both levels. You see it sort of at the human level and you see it at the company level, the corporate level, if you will. Fascinating. So, so I wanna jump back, um, not that I, um, haven't been listening about CPI, you know, I'm, I'm not Copernicus over here, you know, I'm, I'm enlightened now, but I want to jump back to KPIs a little bit, just yeah. briefly, because we do live in a world of KPIs. There's a lot of them out there in the CX space, like NPS and CSTAT and customer lifetime value and more. Um, which of those should be focused on and why, if you were to sort of offer up some advice based on your sort of newfound perspective here? Yeah, it's such a great question. You know, I'm not, um, I, you know, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm hard pressed to kind of give you a single answer, but I'll, I'll sort of lead with what I think sort of we would, we would lead with, right? What we think is most important today. And that would be, you know, elevating the importance of, of KPIs that have more of a direct financial component to them and connect to the customer. So in that case, customer lifetime value would sort of rise to the top amongst sort of the list that you had uh, identified, Bob. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, um, one of the reasons why we think that's so important is that when we look into all of the work that we've done in this area, what we can see 
is that the vast majority of companies are only receiving a fraction of the value possible from their customer base. And it's because they're only delivering a fraction of the value to them that they're looking for. And so customer lifetime value gives us a way of operationalizing, if you will, value exchange in very concrete ways so that we can say, my goodness, if you help to make your customers' lives simpler, and you can do that in a myriad of ways, um, what is the return on investment in terms of growing lifetime value as you drive improvements in helping the customer to achieve that simple goal of making their life simpler? Um, so there's this direct relationship, if you will, between uh, customer lifetime value, which has a clear financial component to it, right? It's, it's helping us to understand uh, those behaviors around uh, customers that are more likely to buy from you, buy more often from you and continue to buy from you over time, right? It, it sort of takes that behavioral component into account. And we think that's really important. Um, the other reason why I would say customer lifetime value is this is sort of the challenge, if you will, with the state of customer uh, measurement today. Think about sort of NPS, customer satisfaction and whatnot. There tends to be in most businesses a missing link between those types of KPIs and customer behavior. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're bad KPIs. It, it just means that perhaps they're not designed to do that, right? That they're, they're designed to sort of do other things. And um, one of the things that, um, that, I, that I think we found very interesting, you know, when we started this work last year, early last year uh, in, in earnest was, um, you know, this recognition by others. So for example, uh, Forrester um, came out with a paper in 2020 that was talking about, you know, from a corporate perspective and particularly from a CX perspective, that value to the customer measures would become much more important over the coming years on company scorecards. Um, and they would solve that, that need that so many businesses have around tying customer measurement to financial measurement or business success, if you will. And so we think, uh, not that we think, we've been able to demonstrate actually through the work that we've done in the, the domain of the value exchange model that operationalizing value to the customer in the way that we have in terms of helping customers to achieve these goals is in fact highly predictive of those KPI types of goals that are associated with customer behavior, a la the customer lifetime value types of components, if you will. I have a oh go sorry. ahead Bob sneak right in there. Here I have another random question for me. Here it comes. Um, so just picturing the world getting more busy and media and we're on our phones, and we have less time. We're multitasking supposedly. Um, does it mean that you have to make an impact in a shorter amount of time, or with you have less of a chance, or do you have more frequent chances that are small, or what? What do you think about that in terms of being more customer centric? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's such a great question. Um, I think, you know, it, it could be both, right? Um, um, I think, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, as you think about sort of making an impact with your customers, I think what's important is alignment, right? So the most important thing is alignment. Are you doing the types of things that are truly valued by the customer, right? And so if you are, then you can kind of create impact, whether that's in small moment, moments, large moments, uh, whatever that might be. But I think sort of that, that core concept of alignment, there's so much noise that I think customers get exposed to in the marketplace today 
from the companies they do business with. I mean, you can see a lot of this through the, you know, the, the, the digital age that we live with in today. There's just so much noise that customers get um, uh, and get exposed to. And I think what, what this focus on sort of customer performance indicators really helps us to tune into is that there needs to be greater alignment between what you're focused on as a business, not necessarily your proposition, you know, the business's proposition, but how the business's proposition ultimately is really helping the customer or could be helping the customer to achieve those goals. So I think alignment of those two kind of key pieces is more important than, you know, the frequency or the timing or those types of effects, if you will. I, I would think early on in the relationship, the functional goals are going to be really key, right? Because your Absolutely. product's got to do what it needs to do. And then I would think from a relationship development and fostering standpoint, the social and emotional elements would, would be more critical. But it's you, you have to be functional. You know, it's going back to Louis Vuitton. If the handle falls off the bag within the first week, um, you know, maybe the emotional piece was part of the value proposition when they bought it. But if that bag comes apart, that kind of unravels the whole relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have that concept of what are the core expectations that I have as a customer sort of hmm. coming in and those hmm. core expectations. This is where I think sort of, you know, KPIs like customer satisfaction could be so helpful, right? Like because they're, they're measuring different things, right? They're measuring sort of delivery against expectations. Um, are we meeting expectations? Where do we have the opportunity to kind of create delight? Like there, there's a time and a place sort of for, for all of that. And I totally agree with yeah. you. In terms of oh, that's that's fascinating. Well, you know, you brought up some really good points. You know, the number one um, question that I get in the area of CX is, is how do you convince the C-suite that the invents, the investment in CX is, is worthwhile? What is a return on investment? So what you're really proposing here is you know, that, this, this, you know, linking the CPIs to um, to customer lifetime value helps to make that connection, right? That you know, and and you you at Ganga's propose that practitioners should have an integrative approach as it relates to CPIs and customer lifetime value. What what does that mean in in day to day practical terms, and and how? should CX strategy be driven by this integration? Yeah. So um, uh, let's see. Um, I think one way to sort of tackle this is, um, you know, in practice, right, through an example. Um, so let me kind of share with you an example of how I think it, this could look in practice. And then I can kind of step back and talk about it more broadly as well. So um, one of the examples I'd like to talk about is sort of, you know, consider a hospitality company. Um, Let's say it's, you know, I won't name names, but let's, you know, a major sort of hospitality company. Like J.C. Um, Penny. <laughs> <No. laughs> be nice. Um, be nice. Uh, never never kick a man when he's down, all right? That's not very nice. <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, and then hospitality company sort of has a goal, right? They've established sort of a business goal and that they're going to drive growth and, and increase customer loyalty. And they're going to do that by narrowly sort of targeting um, a particular type of behavior uh, with, amongst sort of their guests, which would sort of be repeat stays, right? Repeat visits. Um, and so if you kind of take that lens of, okay, we've got a, a business goal, right? We're going to sort of drive the number of repeat visits amongst our guests. 
Uh, and that's going to improve lifetime value. That's sort of the frequency component, if you will, of customer lifetime value. It's going to improve that. And so how you would think about operationalizing that is through sort of the marketing and promotion oriented lenses, right? So you would think about, well, gosh, to, re to, to improve our repeat, we need to be marketing in different ways to our customers. We need to be sort of coming up with different types of promotions that make this more enticing, so on and so forth. Um, let's then consider sort of taking more of a CPI oriented lens to that uh, challenge of, of driving repeat visits uh, amongst your customers. Um, and one of the things that we identify for this hospitality company is that for them, one of the core drivers of repeat behavior amongst their customers is this perception that doing business with you makes their life simple, right? So that's sort of the, the basis of the human insight, if you will, or the customer insight in terms of what drives repeat behavior on the part of, of, um, of the customer. And so what that does is it does two key things, right? It, it begins to kind of inform marketing and promotional efforts around a clear goal that the customer has, that if you help them to achieve that goal, making their life simpler, you can drive that behavioral outcome amongst your guests. Mm -hmm. The other thing that it does, and I think this is a really important piece, is it has the ability to empower the front lines, right? Those people that are serving your guests day in and day out around sort of that focus around that our customers want their lives to be made simpler. You are empowered to do anything within your ability to make that happen, right? So it's not just happening at a corporate level, but you're, you're galvanizing focus around what will drive that behavior uh, throughout all aspects of your organization. I think that's one of the things with CPIs that we believe is very powerful is that, you know, an employee working on the front lines can, can find that far more uh, understandable and approachable uh, if you can sort of express it in a simple human way than sort of these complex business concepts that often get diluted as you move from the corporate, corporate level down to sort of the levels of the front line of the organization. So I think that's just one yeah. sort of um, simple example. And, um, you know, what does that mean? So just to kind of stick with the example for a minute, you know, how, how do you ultimately sort of begin to promote and market and service your customers in ways that make their life simpler? Well, that's the cool thing with CPIs is mm -hmm. you can unpack that. You can unpack what does that construct, mm -hmm. that idea mean to the customer? It means that customers want to leave things to you. Don't put things on me as a customer. That makes my life more complicated. So what can you do for your customer that your customer is doing for you today? That's sort of a simple thing. Um, how can you build automation into the proposition? So if you're trying to drive repeat stays, how can you make through automation it easier? Can you start to look at reserving your next day uh, when, you're, when you're done? And certain um, hospitality companies, I think, do a great job of this and others, others don't. And, and the list goes on and on in terms of examples. So I think that's through an example perspective, that's one way in which I think CPIs really come to life in practice is it creates a galvanized sense of focus around what are we trying to achieve? What goal are we helping our customers try to achieve in relation to the behavior or business outcome that we're trying to affect? And how do we begin to orient as a company around that goal or a handful of goals that are most critical to the behaviors that we're trying to affect that will essentially impact our top and bottom line growth. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking what a great framework for strategy development and what a great way to involve your frontline people, because they're going to be the ones that 
will be able to identify the different means you know how do we you know how do we improve the functional element how do we improve the emotional element how do we improve the social element and so i i can i can think of brainstorming sessions coming out of that as they they devise and develop strategies and i think the other thing that's kind of intriguing about this too is the more long-term nature in terms of the impact i think fundamentally we know that experiences will have a more long-term effect than a promotional campaign, but by you know breaking that breaking this down into those three domains and actually devising and executing strategies um, will have a, a longer-term Im impact on on customer behavior. Uh, yeah, you talk about building relationships. You know, I mean, this is all about kind of making your whole organization have a better emotional IQ basically. Uh, and, and that can't do anything but help the relationship. If you're know your customers better and you're trying to serve them from a, you know, their point of view. So it's so strong. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, one, yeah, I was going to add that one of the things that one of our motivations for this work is, you know, we've been working in the space of customer centricity uh, at Gungus for, you know, over 30 years now uh, in different forms uh, over that period of time. I mean, now it's a much broader construct than it was, you know, even 10 years ago. Um, and one of the challenges that we often see in working with companies, you know, through our the, uh, custom work that we do, the, the consultancy that we we sort of bring to the table around different types of initiatives for them, is um, the ability to kind of operationalize it at a corporate from a corporate perspective in meaningful ways. And one of the sort of uh, driving forces behind the development of the value exchange model and CPIs in particular was to come up with a better way of beginning to operationalize. What does it look like to be customer obsessed, customer centric uh, within your organization? And how does that ultimately impact your business? Um, and so it's really cool. It's been a really sort of fun journey for us um, to, to explore all this and then develop sort of a solution that allows sort of businesses to really operationalize customer centricity in more meaningful ways uh, within their organizations. Thanks, thanks so much for sharing out to today, David. I know we've, um, I think you've un unearthed some follow-up discussions uh, on other topics that we'll have to have. My pleasure, it's great. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Tom and Bob. <laughs> yeah, don't get us confused. Yeah, don't get us confused with the other show, the yeah. Pretenders, <laughs> exactly. the real Tom, the real Tom and Bob show. Um, and and <laughs> listeners, those of you out there uh, who have who've really turned in to listen, um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was uh, truly a valuable contribution. Thanks again, David. Look to forward both. to talking to you again. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.